Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. And here to talk about the next lottery team in our series, we've already gone through the Orlando Magic and what they did in the 2022 NBA Draft, previewing their outlook for the upcoming season. We talked all things Houston Rockets with Jackson Gatliff from the Locked On Podcast Network last episode. This time around, I'm excited to finally have these two guys on my podcast. I've, I've, been, I've been a guest on the Topic Thunder podcast multiple times, but I have yet to have some of these guys on my show. So it's about damn time, as LeBron James would say. We have Dylan Hunsinger, a.k.a. Thunder Chats, as well as our man, Cone. You know him as three underscore Cone on social media. Likes to, likes to keep the anonymous tag up, but that's, that's all good with me. I only know him as Cone anyways, but... Uh, Dylan, I'll start with you. What's going on, man? Hey, man. You know, I'm just just chilling. You know, had a had a short day at work. Uh, you know, been looking forward to this all day. Got to got to rock the no ceilings merch uh, on the no ceilings pod. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to be here. You know, uh, as you said, we've had you on the pod a couple times. I mean, it's been a great time. You know, anytime you've been on the podcast. So happy to return the favor. No ceiling swag, Oklahoma City Thunder swag. I noticed, Cone, you guys both have the same. SGA picture in the background. I love it. SGA was one of my favorite uh, draft prospects coming out. And in his draft, you're actually, I have some words coming out about SGA a little bit later this week. Hopefully the, the oh. audience will definitely enjoy, but Cone, what's going on with you, man? Uh, not much. I've spent most of today um, getting ready to move to New York in a couple of days, actually up there with my girlfriend, which is terrifying, but exciting. <laughs> Um, but also working a lot on a Russell Westbrook video that has taken hours and hours of my time to put together about his MVP season, which I'm super excited about. So been gr on the grind a lot. Um, Dylan knows been making TikToks. He's been sending me TikTok advice from him and Chelsea. Um, so, you know, it's been a lot of fun, been doing a lot of grinding on content and stuff. This is the second podcast I've been on of the day. So, you know, we're cranking out content right now and I'm super excited as always to talk about the thunder. I will take literally any excuse to talk people's ear off about why the thunder are going to win a championship and be a dynasty for the next few seasons. So, you know, I mentioned the topic thunder podcast, which is where I first met you two guys, but Cone is also, he's a social media star. He's a YouTube star. What, what doesn't this man do in, in relation to Oklahoma City Thunder content? So definitely, we'll, we'll give him a chance to, to plug his stuff near the end, but already at the top of the podcast, make sure you check out everything he's doing on YouTube as well. But as we said, yes, we're going to talk Oklahoma City Thunder, but the reason why I'm usually a guest on your podcast around draft time is because the Oklahoma City Thunder are heavily involved in the NBA draft happened for a few years now and, and probably will be for at least one, one or two more years after this draft cycle that we just wrapped up. But what is exciting is the Thunder were able to draft really three of my favorite prospects in, in, in this class. And I talked about all three of them at length um, on, on multiple podcast episodes of mine as, as guests on other different draft-related podcasts. Chet Holmgren, was the number two overall pick. Jalen Williams was the 12th overall pick. Those two were really highly touted prospects of mine. They got Usman Jang in the lottery as well. They took the other Jalen Williams to, to complete the Spider-Man meme there in the second round. The Thunder had a lot of fun during the 2022 NBA draft. And I really do love the team that you guys are building. I know Tyler Rucker, also a part of the No Sons Collective, is a big fan as well. He wrote up the art of Presti on noceilingsnba.com, which any Thunder fans, if they haven't checked that out, please 
not only subscribe to the Substack, but go ahead and check out Tyler's work. That was that was a monster of a piece and took me quite a little bit of time to get through during my day. But let, let's let's start at the top because drafting Chet to me is a big deal, right? Like when, when you try to position yourself to be near the top of the draft and you get a top three pick, you want to make sure that you not only get a good player with that pick, but that you really nail it, that you're getting a potential franchise changing player at the top. And Chet Holmgren was the number one overall player on my board. Matter of fact, he was the number one overall player for no ceilings. There were some of us who were fans of Jabari Smith. There was uh, one or two of us who were fans of Paolo Mancaro at the top. But the overwhelming majority of us, which led to us ranking him number one in our composite ranking, had Chet as a top guy in the draft. So Dylan, I'll start with you. When you guys were able to draft Chet on draft night, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, you know, starting starting off is like just getting the number two pick, like just the ride that that was to <laughs> make it for one to the commercial break and our name still not be called. And then just like four or three. And then like our name's at two. And then, you know, there's a little bit of disappointment because like we're not number one, but then real realization set to like, OK, we're number two. Like th- this is awesome. Like we're, yep. we're getting one of those guys. And, uh, you know, I think when we had you on our podcast, that was at that point, I had Jabari number one. I had all of the top three, number one on my board, sure. you know, different points of the process. And um, there was a, I, I wrote an article prior to the draft, you know, just kind of like going through different lottery simulations and who I would pick if I was Presty, um, you know, with that lottery spin. And I said that like, no matter who I have at the top of the board, I think I have Palo at that point. Um, no matter who I have at the top of the board, if Chet Holmgren's on the board when the Thunder are picking at number two, he's likely going to be the pick and he was, and he is. And so, I mean, he's, he's the most pressy player like of all time. Like, <laughs> he's, he's got the length. He's got the athleticism. He's got the defense and like, you know, he's, he kind of melds the old age. Like I was talking about just then in the new age thunder with the high basketball IQ, um, you know, understanding the game, being able to take the ball off of the rim and bring it down to transition and not only create for yourself, but, you know, create for your teammates. Like he's got, you know, high passing IQ as well. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's kind of the full package. You know, we was, we was spoiled very early on with that first game. And I was going to say, what were, what were, what were your, when you saw that first game happen before I kick it uh, over to code, like, like how awesome was it as a Thunder fan to just see that first game and then Chet and Jalen, like all these guys just immediately coming together and kicking ass, especially Chet. What, what, how did that feel as a Thunder fan? No, really, man. Just like, like, validation like you know everybody thought chet was gonna be awesome but you know there was there was like a little seed of doubt in the back of your mind like what what if he struggled in the summer league like this could be hard for us like this could be a hard offseason for us like granted this doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things like jabari struggled but like i still have very much faith in jabari smith jr you know as a prospect but you know, there, there was like a little seed of doubt. Maybe he struggles against, you know, like I think he was playing Taco Fall the first game, Taco <laughs> Fall and uh, Kofi Coburn. And, I mean, the fact that he was able to, you know, show up and show out against those guys, he was out there hitting his threes, he was blocking everything. That one poster attempt, um, you know, coming from the baseline, like he, he put on the full game at like the full package. And, like, yeah, it, it was it was just wild, man. Like it, it had us extremely excited. Uh, so much to the fact that as his games kind of went down, as he went, like his performance went down, we were still riding the high of the first game. We didn't even care. 
as I've had to talk about Cone on, on the two previous podcast episodes we've done here in the offseason, talk about some of these lottery teams, like Paolo was the surprise of number one, right? Like very few people expected that to happen. All of a sudden, the odds shifted Vegas. You kind of get a little bit of the intel buzz that something crazy is going to happen at number one. And then lo and behold, the Magic actually take Paolo, which leaves a spot at number two to be between Jabari Smith, who was the projected number one overall pick for the majority of the, the, the pre-draft process after the lottery, and then Chet Holmgren. So when you saw that race unfold, and it was between Chet and Jabari Cohn, who did you want the Thunder to take? Like, did they take the guy who you definitely wanted at that point when you saw how it was going to unfold number two? Absolutely. If the Thunder had taken Jabari Smith, I would have collapsed to my (laughs) knees. Like I, I was one of the biggest Chet believers. I know the entire process. I'm like, Chet is the guy that I want. There were some Thunder fans I know that were mad. They're like, how could we pass on Jabari when he was there at two? Like he was supposed to go one and all that odds shifting stuff that happened the night before the draft. That was insane. It was like, cause I know Rockets fans and Magic fans had just been, you know, putting those guys in their Jersey photoshops. Like, like, oh, he's going to be a Magic. Palo's going to be a Rocket. It felt so concrete. Woj tweeted out the morning after like, guys, calm down. The order is still Jabari, Chet, Palo. And then all of a sudden, like an hour before the draft, he goes, actually, it might not be that. And it that's, was insane. That's crazy. Cause like, that's the first time I can remember over the last like four or five years where like, I've seen Woj like legitimately like scooped out of something like that. That was, that to me was the most crazy thing that happened that day that we saw that tweet you said at the beginning of the day. And then all of a sudden things just completely go a different direction. It was one of a back battle, man. <laughs> I stayed up till like four in the morning the night before the draft, which I do sometimes anyways, because I apparently hate my sleep schedule. Uh, But I stayed up because I was like, what is happening with these odds things? And I was all over Twitter. I'm like, I have to see like what's happening. Maybe Woj put something out because I don't know if he ever truly sleeps. And then I was like, okay, I got to go to bed, wake up the next morning. And he tweeted that. I was like, okay, I guess the odd shift stuff was just, you know, some weird thing going on with Vegas. But then Paolo does go one and it was hilarious at first but also in the end like there was always a part of me that was scared Chet was going to go one I didn't think it was going to happen truly but there's always that seed in the back of your mind like what if the magic go Chet because he's a player who fits what they're trying to build over there they like lengthy guys they like defensive guys and he would have fit that mold but thankfully he ended up falling to us at two and when I say falling I mean falling because I think Chet is the number one guy in this draft. I did the whole process. So when we got him at two, it was the biggest sigh of relief ever to be like, okay, it felt like it was going to happen, but finally it's here. Chet's going to be the guy. And I couldn't be more excited. The fact that we have him. Uh, So that whole process with the top three guys swapping orders and stuff. Thank God Chet was the one that stood like still at number two from what Woj was saying the whole time. Thank God. So, Cone, I, as you're coming off as a self-proclaimed Chet lover throughout the draft process, I'll, I'll come right back to you. I know Dylan just gave some of his thoughts about um, Chet's performance in that summer league game and how awesome it was to see that as a Thunder fan. But as a Chet believer, you know, yeah, I, I know that you talked about some of it with me as well as Steven when you had me on the podcast and everyone in those ceilings, myself included, has been saying all year long, Chet's got more in the bag that he can show offensively. And he hasn't been able to do it at Gonzaga. He's been a real cleanup guy. He's been 
um, and any, an easy finisher around the basket. He's been a transition trailer guy, but we didn't really get to see him create a ton outside of when he would be able to handle the ball at the court in transition. We didn't really see a lot of that in the half court. We didn't see as much of the passing ability. So Cohn, when, when you were able to watch, not just the first summer league game, but really even when he got to Vegas, he, he was really impressive. Multiple standout performances, especially the one that I saw against the Houston Rockets when I was up close and personal for that game. Like, how how did it feel to really be vindicated, in, in my opinion? And you're thinking of, like, Chet was the number one guy all along, just based on the fact that, obviously, things can change when the NBA regular season comes around. But, like, what we saw at Summer League, talk about the full package. Like, he was showing so much more offensively than I think people realized, unless they dug deep into the tape, unless they watched, like, Mike Schmitz did a great video breakdown of him on ESPN's YouTube. Like, unless you were really deep in the weeds – you probably didn't know he had a lot of that in his game. Like, how did that feel watching all that unfold summer league? Yeah. So I think about four minutes into his first summer league game in Utah, I tweeted out Chet Holmgren is the best basketball player of all time. <laughs> I believe that was my exact tweet. Um, so I was feeling pretty good after the first few threes. Um, and it was so vindicating to see like everyone on the timeline because Chet's a confident guy. He talks a lot about how he thinks he's going to be one of the best, which you have to do in the NBA to be the best. You've got yeah. to have that confidence in yourself. And it's cool to see a guy who truly believes he can be the best. And, you know, a lot of people don't like him for it. And so when all the timeline was, oh my God, Chet's so good. Like he's going off, like the Thunder got their guy. Like it was the most euphoric experience because we don't do this draft lottery thing often last year you know we fell to six and over time people kind of came around to Josh Giddy, but last year he got hurt like first game of summer league so there wasn't that big moment where it's like yo this Giddy guy could play like in the summer first game Chet comes out dominates and it was it was just so cool to watch uh to see people realize oh my god all these things he can do like his ability to shoot like turnaround fadeaway jumpers like that video where it's paired with him and then like katie and dirk the, the one-legged fadeaway man oh my god it's so god. clean and like the um like the pull-up off the dribble threes the trailing his ability to attack the basket you know finish crazy lobs stuff like that the six blocks which tied a summer league record and broke the utah summer league record um i think he was actually one short of the overall summer league record but regardless it was absolutely absurd to watch. He showed everything that I thought he could do and more in that first game. And he did have a, a couple shakier games later on, but sure. the fact that he had that dominant performance and then showed a lot of the same flashes over the course of summer league, I'm fully on the bias train that Chet's going to win rookie of the year, you know, make a case. He's going to be like an Evan Mobley story like last year where it's like, oh my God, this guy could be all defense as soon as next season. Like I'm fully biased Thunder fan on the Chet train. Um, I liked him a lot before. Now he's on the Thunder. You know, I'm going to be one of the most biased people towards Chet that there is out there. Um, so don't be surprised if Chet goes out and has a game where he drops like 25 or 30 and you see a couple more tweets about how he's the greatest basketball player of all time behind Shea and Dort and Giddy, of course, you know, he's right there in the mix with those three, but um, you can do, you know, 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, whatever you want to do there. Cone has christened quite a few people, the greatest basketball player of all time. I just got to say, we're, we're in the under Oh yeah, there are, there are several people who go by that title. Yes, absolutely. I, I know for a fact that we'll see some of those tweets come across my timeline I'm, I'm not surprised but I mean if I were a Thunder fan I would have the same reactions as the both of you do I think it's really exciting to see 
more of this process unfold. And when you get a player like Chet actually showing out like he did at Summer League, I, I can only imagine the excitement, the elation that you both, as well as everybody else in the Thunder fan base, really have felt during this time. But there was another guy who you guys drafted. And we'll, we'll talk about Jang a little bit. We'll rank some of the younger guys. But really, the other, the other home run pick that I thought you guys made was Jalen Williams. And not, not, I guess J-Dub, right? We got J-Dub. We got Jay Will. I'm that. That's about as up on the nicknames as I am. I know Dylan's been calling him Santa as Thunder chats on Twitter. That that's the nickname he wants to give him. I'm not as up on all that. I got I got Jay Dub and I got Jay Will. But Jay Dub, listen, I I was on your podcast and I said that Jalen Williams should probably be a lottery pick, just given where his valuation was trending. I was that confident in saying he could be the Desmond Bain type player to come out of this draft class. This guy who all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere. He gained a lot of steam is like, should he be a top 20 pick? Then it goes up to, should he be a lottery pick? I thought for a second, I had jumped the gun when I did a mock draft podcast. I had a 15 to the Hornets, like right at the edge of the lottery. And then what do you know? He goes 12th overall to the Oklahoma city thunder. And Oh, by the way, pick and roll wing great catch and shoot threat, capable three-level scorer, versatile defender, can handle or fill the lane in transition. Like this dude showed all the skills in summer league. And it wasn't just what he did on the ball. It was also, it was the off the ball stuff too. That was really fun to see because Dylan, I'll let you talk about Jalen Williams and, or J-Dub, however you want to refer to him, Santa. I'll let you get all your thoughts about him. I'll, I'll go to you first, but correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you guys have a player who moves and cuts so instinctually off the ball before Jalen Williams. And now that you have him in the fold to, to play off of guys like SGA and, and Giddy better than a lot of other guys, in my opinion, can on your roster. Like it's not just the on ball promise that he brings. It's really what he can do to fit everything that we know he can do around everybody else like that to me his seamless fit into a lineup that has to be pretty exciting for you guys to be able to get a wing like that in the lottery what what are some of your initial thoughts about j-dub after watching him at summer league no absolutely man i mean <clears throat> i i i'm no uh i'm not shy about saying this you know whenever we start having you guys on the draft cycle that's how we learn we was very like elementary in our like our draft evaluation when you first came on, I think you were our first guest uh, from no ceilings and our like no ceilings draft cycle. So whenever you first told me about Jalen Williams, a guy that can shoot 40% from three, a guy that can handle in the pick and roll, a guy that um, has a freaking what he was six foot six with a seven, two wingspan. Like as soon as you said that, I was like, like, okay. You know, <laughs> a, yeah. A light bulb went off in my head because that's the type of player that press it. Like you don't see length like that. But what I didn't understand, like, fully, like, I was in love with him as a, as a prospect, especially as he uh, killed the measurables in the combine, especially when he killed the scrimmages in the combine, you know, not necessarily dominating scoring the ball, but finding other ways to impact the game. Like, he, he, he stood out at those combine scrimmages. Like, he, he was a step above that competition there. And that's real. I think, I think that also woke a lot of people up as well. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thing that – you know, you you had kind of sold me as a guy that could do a lot with the ball in his hands. But like you were saying, like when he got to Vegas, when he was in Utah, like playing off of guys like Josh Giddy, playing off guys like Chet Holmgren, who's a good passer in his own right. 
just seeing how smart he was when it mm-hmm. came to playing off ball, like making good, smart, sharp backdoor cuts. And I, I, I know he had almost a 40 foot or 40 inch vertical at the combine, but I didn't understand how explosive this guy was at the rim. Like dude was going up with two hands um, on one side of the rim and up on the other side, throwing it down. He was doing three sixties, one eighties, like, he was all over the place. Like his finishing, uh, I think I tweeted, I said his finishing reminds me of Shea if Shea could dunk like Jalen Williams. <laughs> because like he was he was getting it done with every hands off either leg, either side of the goal. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the most impressive thing about, about Jalen Williams to me is just what he could do off ball. And yeah, the on-ball stuff is nice. Like it's just like, it's just icing on the cake because he still showed flashes of him being able to shoot, you know, on ball and off ball of him being able to create a pick and roll. He didn't get too many uh, reps at doing that during the summer league because Josh Giddy decided sure. to play pretty much the entire summer league, but it was encouraging to see him to be able to do that. Um, I like the idea of maybe him kind of having the lead ball handler roll, roll off of the bench, playing alongside guys like Trey Mann, Darius Baisley, stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for Jalen Williams. And, uh, yeah, touching on the whole Santa thing, the whole reason I call him Santa is because – uh, it was actually draft night before the J-Dub, J-Will came out, which, by the way, J-Dub and J-Will both apply to both names, so it's equally confusing. But uh, we, we just decided during that podcast that w- I was going to call him Santa. I started the train. I've been trying to get people to go with it, and it's just it's just fun at this point, man. There's as many people that love it, that hate it, and anytime I tweet something out, like, you know, people are laughing or they're rolling their eyes and it, it's just all in good fun. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's a nickname that definitely differentiates him from the other guys. So yes. in, in that case, I'll accept it 100%. This is why we Santa is what I like to say. <laughs> Cone, Jalen Williams, not only your thoughts from his performance at summer league, but I, I want to ask you, what do you think his upside is with the team? I know this season he's probably going to be a guy who, as Dylan said, he comes off the bench. He can kind of be like a secondary creator for them, a primary backup point, uh, a backup point guard for them at times, even being like a primary within the offense, whether Trey Mann's on the floor or not. I really think he has starter level upside, and I kind of thought that all along. I think he can be a legitimate option at the three for you guys moving forward long-term. Like that's how much his game impresses me, but I want to know your thoughts as, as a thunder guy who's in the weeds, who's studying the team constantly, who knows the rotation in and out, the guys are going to be in the lineup this year. Do you think he has starter upside, not just in the long-term, but even at some point this year, do you think he could possibly enter that starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to run some really weird lineups this year, which fingers crossed we do. Um, hell, I'd I love like to see a lineup where, oh yeah, I'd love to see a lineup where we put out there Shea, Dort, J-Dub, Giddy, and Chet. Like run like Giddy as like a small ball four. It probably won't work super well defensively, but do it. Why not? Let's see what happens. Like, I want to see us run a ton of weird combinations this season that fits in guys because I also think J-Dub, could be a starter long-term for this team. I love his uh, his ability off-ball, especially like both of you were talking about, where we really haven't had a lot of great off-ball players in this era where Shea has been the franchise player. Like, we've got a couple guys, like a Kenrich Williams can play well. Like, Dort has some moments here and there, but J-Dub's one of the best off-ball players Shea has played with, period. 
Like he is such a great piece for this team. He has great defensive upside too. You know, the wingspan, we've talked about that, the vertical, he has all the athletic tools. He already is just kind of a solid defender, knocking down threes at a really high clip too, catching and shooting, which, you know, having a guy like that for Shea and Giddy who can both attack the basket, um, especially as Giddy, one of the main things he worked on this offseason, he said, was his strength to get to the basket more. We already know Giddy can make magic happen. If he's getting to the basket, he can whip it like behind his back, between his legs, like upside down towards anybody on the perimeter. And having a guy like Jadob who can knock down those shots or, you know, cut to the basket if doubles come for like a guy like Shea, like someone who can just help out those two guys, I think is so valuable to this team and part of the reason why I loved him as the pickup in the draft um, I thought also that was hilarious that we drafted both Jalen Williams I thought that was phenomenal the fact that you um, got to just to my... complete the Spider-Man meme man that that's it's, that's it's amazing, amazing. Um, I had to explain it to my girlfriend who I was live streaming during the draft and I was trying to explain to her that we now drafted two people with the exact same name <laughs> phonetically um, that was a lot of fun to do uh, also to my parents who my mom was like, so you guys have Jalen Williams. Who's the other guy? I was like, Jalen Williams. And she's like, no, that's the first. It was a very confusing experience <laughs> for everyone involved. Um, but just to have like a guy like that on the roster, um, I'll give credit to my brother. He is super high on Jalen Williams. He's a Sixers fan. He was watching him alongside me in the summer league. And he said, I see a lot of Jalen Brown in him. And I'm not saying I see him being, you know, that level player, but I do see what he's talking about. Someone that can play really well off ball, be solid defensively. Um, you know, Jalen Brown doesn't quite have the wingspan. Uh, Jalen Williams hasn't been in that department, uh, but just the ability to be that guy that can really do a little bit of everything. He doesn't yeah. have to have the ball in his hands and he can really affect the game in a bunch of different ways. So I would love to see him get some starting minutes this season, run out some weird lineups, run him with the starters, even if he's not going to start late in games, let him close them out because I think eventually we're going to kind of start to see that he is a guy who deserves to be out there in those like most important crucial moments in the game. So we can run through some of the weaknesses of these prospects, but I, I like to keep the podcast positive for the most part. Dylan, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt you a little bit. I'm going to run through some numbers on where you guys ranked offensively last year, but it's, it's, it's to get somewhere good. It's I not promise. pretty. It's not the, pretty. <laughs> so the Thunder ranked 30th on spot ups, 28th mm -hmm. scoring out of the pick and roll, 25th scoring in transition, 24th scoring um, from the roll man, as well as off offensive rebounds, 28th on jumpers, 30th around the basket. What I talked about on the Rockets podcast that, that I did with Jackson was I was really excited to see a team stick to not only drafting who they thought was the best talent available, but also drafting talent where they're going out and filling areas of need and they're strengthening weaknesses of that team. And they're building into the identity of this is the core we're going to move forward with in order to make the most of the players we have right now, we're going to take guys who can help them live up to be more of who they've been up to this point in their careers. Right. The Thunder did the same thing here. All those weaknesses I laid out, Chet or Jalen, or a combination of both of them, fill those weaknesses. And it's not just that they do it on their own, but Cone touched on this a little bit. Dylan, I want your take on it. The fact that Jalen and Chet are both such good instinctual players off the ball. Now SGA is not only playing with another high-level passer in Giddy, but he's playing with those guys. And, and 
SGA is broken out as, in my opinion, one of the best three-level scoring guards that we have in the entire NBA. He's kind of known for being an offensive engine from the standpoint of I got to go out and score all of the points for my team. And I can't focus as much on getting everybody else involved because I'm at a certain level to where I'm expected to carry this franchise forward and be the number one guy. Now the Thunder are starting to add pieces that can play off of somebody like him and who can make his job easier. Dylan, do you think we're going to see a different side from SGA this year as far as passing the basketball and making everybody else around him better, being more of a playmaker than a scorer? Uh, I, I can definitely see it. Um, I think the the big thing with Shea is uh, yeah, we're going to see a lot of what we saw coming out of All-Star break, which is literally one game. Um, you know, the whole conversation around Shea and Giddy was like, how, how are they going to fit? Two guys that need the ball in their hands. And coming out of All-Star game, I think it was a game against Phoenix Suns. Uh, it, it was it was really their best game together. And that was all we got to see because Josh Giddy was shut down for the season after that. Shea, you know, went on his crazy tear where he was scoring like 30-something points a game. And so, like, we didn't really get to see that. So, mm-hmm. it, it would be nice to see, like, Shea pass the ball more. Like, I, I'm i a big believer in his passer. I, I believe that a lot of um, – a lot of his passing deficiencies is because of the teammates that he's had in the past couple of years. Um, you know, he's, I mean, you read the numbers, like <laughs> it's not been good. And I a- think a- Andrew, uh, Andrew Schleck, your, your friend, Andrew Schleck, the yeah. dog would absolutely make the same argument. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and I don't think it was last year, but the year before, I think Shea led the league in like points per possession out of the pick and roll. And he was doing it with like Isaiah Roby and Moses Brown. So like, yeah, you give a guy like Chet Holmgren to Shea, like I'm excited to see what he can do whether it's, you know, being able to, you know, open up more creation opportunities for Shea, like, you know, giving Chet easy buckets or, you know, even guys collapsing on Chet rolling to the rim and, you know, giving open looks, maybe Dort on a simplified role, you know, shooting more corner threes instead of, you know, doing more with the ball in his hands, you know, playing a little bit more off ball role. Like I'm excited to see that. Um, But, you know, also like, I, I think Shea could take a step up in his scoring as well, because, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, two guys that can, you know, create with the ball. They're real passers. Like, I mean, like, real passers. Yeah, and, I mean, Uzman Jang, I know we haven't talked much about him. Like, you know, shout out Jang Gang, Uz, he's my guy. But, you know, he struggled a lot during the summer league. But when he was thriving, it was when Giddy, I think Chet wasn't playing. It was when you really let Uz cook. I'm like, let him have the ball in his hands and create. Like, he's got some juice as a creator. He has some juice as a passer. Like, Presti has built this team full of guys that can, A, take the ball off the rim and, you know, push it up the court, but guys that can dribble, pass, shoot, and legitimately create for themselves and their teammates. And so, yeah, like, big creation, and I want to see his assists go up, but at the same time, I think that all these creators around day, I think it's just going to unlock scoring that we haven't seen from him before because – also, something I've been pointing out in every podcast this whole offseason, this is the first full offseason Shea Gildas-Alexander has had since he's been on the Oklahoma City Thunder. And as we know, going back to his, like, junior year of high school, anytime Shea has any time to get in the lab and, like, put in the work, he doesn't just take a step. He takes a leap the next season. Yep. Like, his his progression is linear. Now, or not linear. His progression is not linear. Uh, last year, you know, he was kind of – I think he was playing hurt. That was a lot of why he was uh, he came out of the gate slow. 
Um, I think he missed a full month of February um, and going into all-star break. And then when he came back, that's when he went on his tear. I think that he wasn't playing hundred um, percent. Obviously the teammates didn't help. I think that, you know, with an off season full of work coming in hundred percent, better teammates. I think we're looking at an all-star season from SGA and like, I'm going to call it. I think he could be a third team all NBA guy. I love it. I, I love a really good sneaky third team all NBA case from an emerging player. I love it. Cohen, you, you, you kind of in the same boat with some of your thoughts as far as how SGA can help these guys, but because he has more talent around him, they're going to help him in turn. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm expecting. A lot of people have asked me, like, what are your expectations for this season? It's not much. It's really just see guys keep getting better and really see them build that chemistry together. Shane yep. Giddy is a backcourt, you know, Luke Dort in the mix, Chet Holmgren, how does he fit, J-Dub, Usman Jang, like other young guys like Poku, Baisley, how do they help others around them? Can they find that consistency? And I think Shea is very clearly like the most consistent force on this team. And I expect those guys around him to both boost him up, but him to boost them up as well. Uh, you're going to see guys like Chet Holmgren and J-Dub get a ton of wide open threes from him and Giddy. I think those two will help out a lot. And then also, like I mentioned, the fact that now that you've got Chet J-Dub, um, you know, progression from other guys too, like a guy like Trey Mann who shot 36% from three, yeah. if he can start doing that on a higher volume and he stays right around that number, now you've got a bunch of shooters around Shea and he's got options. You can't double team him as much. So that's really what I'm looking for. Dylan, I love the sneaky third team All-NBA pick. Um, as a biased fan, a big homer, of course. I would love to see that too. I think that would be great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like Dylan said, that's something I've been harping on, too, is the fact that Shea hasn't had a full offseason since becoming a member of the Thunder, and he's still gotten this good, this fast. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people this upcoming season. I wouldn't be surprised if he averages 25 and a half points per game. Efficiency is going to climb back up, too, now that he's kind of worked off some of those injuries. He's in for a phenomenal season, alongside a Chet Holmgren rookie of the year. <laughs> We're Cone, throwing the I'll takes actually, out, man. We're throwing the takes out. Yes, sir. Cohen, I'll actually, I'll come right back to you because we've been talking about some of these guys and, and can they start? Are they going to be primarily guys off the bench? If we're, if we're trying to build a starting lineup to come into the season for the Thunder, what's the starting lineup that you personally want to see the most not necessarily trying to predict what it's going to be because we can obviously pen some guys in but others I think are more pencil ins there's in my opinion there's a little bit of room for debate as far as what the starting lineup can look like so what what's the lineup that you want to see and then I'll ask Dylan the same question it's really tough um because I know you said we don't want to predict it but I do think we see Shea Giddy Dort um, Jeremiah Robinson, Arlen Chet. I think that's the lineup we're going to so see. That's the lineup um, that I wrote down is, is yeah. the lineup that I would also want to see, but you're, you sound like you want to go a different direction. I, I think that does make the most sense off the bat as a lineup. Um, of course, like I mentioned, I would love to see it get weird and you throw J-Dub in there somewhere. Um, but I do think that one, I I'd love to see that lineup. I think JRE fits really well next to Chet. Um, he's a little bit more of kind of a, um, 
like a more of a force, like physically, yep. while also providing some spacing too. He can rebound well. And I think he is more of a four than a five. We played him a lot at the five last season, but I think he could, you know, play a little bit of both, see him maybe a little bit more as a four. Um, and I think he fits really well on that roster. I think I see Jerry as a guy that can really play an Al Horford type role for a team where, you know, he just makes like the hustle plays, high IQ, you know, great effort plays. He can shoot the ball, stretch the floor, um, be a force down low if you need him to be, although he's not going to go in and dunk on people necessarily. But I do think that probably makes the most sense as a starting lineup. As much as I might want to see it get weird and you throw J-Dub in there somewhere to start the year, um, I am excited to see that Jerry lineup that I think we're going to see to start the season. Is there a chance that J-Dub just, he, it just gets to a point to where maybe maybe he's not as impactful on the defensive side of the ball because that's really, that that's where Dort makes his bones. That's where we know that he's good. That's where we know he can contribute on an, on an NBA floor. Is there a chance though, that the mix, the combination of the defense and then everything he brings offensively, but playing on the ball, as well as everything we talked about off the ball, is, the, is there a chance that he could just flat out supplant Dort in, in, in the lineup at some point this year? And, and he does just slide in as the three main, you don't even have to make it weird. What do you think? I'd be shocked mainly because of the contract extension. I think that that would be a little too soon. Um, I could see there being some like, like a closing lineup where maybe Dort's on the court. Like you need a three to tie the game or you need like to kind of just space the floor out for Shea. Maybe you put in J-Dub out there instead of Dort, or I guess in that case, maybe you take Giddy off depending on what you're doing with him. Is he inbound passing? Things like that. So I could see a situation where maybe he supplants him there in like a couple closing lineups, but I think Dort's there to stay for pretty much the entire season, unless something insane happens. And then we've got Usman Jang playing like an MVP candidate out there. And we've got to take someone out of the lineup. Uh, shout out Dylan Jang gang. Um, yeah, th yeah, this is going to be Dylan's chance to, to shout out Jang and, and all the weird lineup combinations that, that he wants to see as well. But Dylan, what's the, what's the starting lineup that you want to see for, for the Oklahoma city thunder? Yeah, want to see and going to see is two different things. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, we're in lockstep on what the starting lineup is probably going to be. Uh, that was the one that, like, like we had a post-draft podcast right after the draft. We had, like, five of our seven guys on, and we was all in agreement that was probably going to be the lineup. So, no shocker there on that. But, man, I would love to, you know, not only see Santa get in the starting lineup. You know, Santa's deep in his bag tonight, so I could tweet that out there. But – uh. <laughs> Also, man, I would love to see Usman Jang get some running. And I think we will because, you know, despite his struggles offensively, you know, shooting the ball, obviously, like, it looks good. It just wasn't going in. Um, he was shying away from a little bit of physicality. But the thing that really stuck out to me was his defense. And, like, he's got the body. He's got the feet. You know, he moves his hips. He flips his hips really well. He knows where to be. Like, he's a really smart, instinctual defender. And, you know, Obviously, he's a little thin, he's a little frail, but he's got broad shoulders. I think he's got a frame that can really be filled out. So if he can fill out that frame and like really lock in defensively, like I think we got something with him. And, you know, the the big thing with, you know, who's going to get on the floor, who's going to start, you know, whatever, is Mark Dagnall. And if there's anything we know about Mark Dagnall from the past couple of years is he really values guys that, you know, get after it defensively. You know, when Cone, when you was asking Cone about, like, do you see J-Dub, Santa, whatever you want to call him, supplanting Dort, like, the answer is probably no. Like, yeah, the contract, but Mark Dagnall trusts Dort, like, on an 
existential level like there's some nights that like Shay will be playing 37 38 minutes and Dort will have 42 43 minutes like he trusts Dort because you know he goes out there and competes in the defensive end like nobody else like he's he's gonna ride or die with Dort but you know not just Dort like you know guys like J-Dub, Santa, whatever, Usman Zhang, Darius Baisley, Kendrick Williams, guys like that because they go out and defend and compete defensively and they know where to be defensively. They don't make mistakes defensively. Um, I think that, you know, that's how those guys will get on the court. And, I mean, let's be honest, man, like it's the thunder. Like we're, we're going to pull some load management at some point. Like I wouldn't be surprised if every player in the top, like in the 12-man rotation is starting at some point this year. But – yeah, it, if if you want me to get weird and pick who I want, give me Shay. Yeah, get, 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 get weird, man. Santa, Ooze, and Chet. Like just just give me the weirdest lineup and let's go out there and have fun. I I'm glad that you said some positive words about Usman Jang's defense, and that was something I talked about before the draft. Because everybody was asking me, especially when I went on the the one Rockets podcast I did, it was like, "What? Why are you so high on Usman Jang?" And it's it's really because there was, there were, were, I should say, few things that I thought he couldn't do in time that just didn't stem from his body, right? His, his lack of physicality. I thought once the body starts feeling, I thought a lot of the defensive instincts were there, the intangibles were there, the shooting, the pick and roll upside, the creation upside. I thought all of those things were there. But once he got to a point where he could add on the strength and add on more of the muscle to bang with some of the guys down low when they went to drive on him, when he could have more strength to wall off guys at the defensive end. And then in turn, that confidence that you gain from when you do fill out your body to drive on offense and get downhill, get to the basket more, not just settle for a lot of the jump shots that we saw. That's when I think a lot of his upside is really going to be unlocked. And, and when that happens, listen, man, I think there could be a weird lineup out there. Maybe not this year, but like a year or two down the road where Chet's playing the five because he's much further along. They trust him to play the five by himself. J-Dub's gotten stronger. Now all of a sudden you have J-Dub with his length out there playing a little bit of small ball four. You have Usman Jang out on the wing with those guys. And then you have Giddy and SGA. Like I kind of agree with Dylan. At, at some point, doesn't have to be this year. At some point, I want to see that lineup. But I agree with you guys. I think JRE is going to be the starter alongside Chet and Dort. In the front court, I know if Stephen Gillespie was on this episode with me, he would be smiling ear to ear. That's his guy, JRE. He, he's he's earned that role. I kind of agree with with Cohen. I think there's some there's some Al Horford type of stuff to where he can be as far as on the defensive side of the ball and then offensively. I think he's another guy who, when they do want to give Chet touches inside or when they want to get him going, JRE can space the floor a little bit. He seems a lot more confident from the mid-range. And you saw last year he was trying to shoot more corner threes. Like, I do think eventually that's where hit more of his offensive game could be. And then obviously when Chet's based on the floor for him in turn, yeah, we get a lot of the funky post-up JRE stuff, which is always fun. And he can pass out of the post too. So that that's a lineup I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's a lineup that I want to see. The Thunder are one of these young teams. I want to watch them as well. I want to watch the Magic. I want to watch the Rockets. I want to watch the Thunder. I want to watch all these teams. I'm an NBA fan and I'm excited to finally, I think this season I'm going to appreciate watching more NBA basketball. Last draft class was a little bit of a nightmare to evaluate. I was stuck in the weeds in that draft class for so long. I didn't get to watch as much NBA as I have in previous years. This year, I'm going to get back to that. I can't wait to watch this team and a lot of the other young cores around the NBA unfold. Speaking 
of Young Chorus. This is how we can close out this podcast episode. So I told you guys, I was going to ask you if you had to rank some of these age under 25 guys in terms of their importance to the franchise moving forward. So it's not just, they don't have to be ranked based on who is better than who today, but just their importance for the Thunder moving forward. How would you kind of rank some of the top names? And I focused on who would have been the top five for the Rockets on the last podcast and the Thunder in a similar spot because it's such a young team. There's so many names to get through. Um, I can say on the back end for me, I would have guys closer to the end of these rankings, Trey Mann, Jang, Poku, Aaron Wiggins, Darius Baisley, uh, Jay Will. Those are some of the guys I would have on the back end. My top guys that I want to focus on, I have them in order, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I got SGA, obviously. I, I, have, I do have him number one. I really think he's the guy. I think this is his team. Chet can get to a point where it can be his team. I just, I don't think he's there yet. And with how important SGA has been for the Thunder over the last few years, I do think he's still the focal point moving forward. So I have SGA one, I have Chet two, I have Giddy three. I have Jalen Williams fourth ahead of Luke Dort at five. I man, maybe this is me just being the biggest, one of the biggest Jalen Williams fans in the world. I, I think he's going to mean a lot to you guys moving forward. I do think he's going to be a starter for the Oklahoma City Thunder at some point in some form or fashion. Maybe it's the three. Maybe it's as a small ball four. Maybe it's another unique combination. I don't know. I think he's a starter moving forward. But though that's like my top five as far as your young core importance to the franchise moving forward. That's my top five. Dylan, out of those guys, how would you rank them? Or if you want to put another name in your top five, Please, if you want to throw Usman Jang in there, that you're more than welcome to. But how would you kind of rank some of these guys in terms of their importance moving forward? Yeah, I mean, you kind of nailed the top four. I mean, I don't think you could really go any other order. I mean, Shea is the cornerstone of the franchise. He's a guy that shows to stay. He's a guy that um, Presti and co. has shared the vision with. He understands the vision. He sees the vision. He's excited for the vision. Um, you know, you don't just let a guy like that, you know, go off by the wayside like you know he's a guy that you don't uh you know try to trade he's a guy that you build around he's a guy that you know he's the centerpiece so yeah Shay absolutely there Chet is a guy that you know compliments the guy that you're building around in every facet offense defense everything you want him to have I mean it, it feels like a slight to call him the ultimate role player but like he really is like, you know, just like filling a role of everything you need him to do defensively. He's going to do from day one, like his absolute floor. If like he never reaches his ceiling, like I know he's going to impact the game defensively, but and don't, don't you feel that type of player was also worth taking at number two? Like if yes. that's what he is, but he's that ultimate impact guy where you're not always seeing the, the incredibly large numbers from him in the box score, but you're, you're feeling his impact night in, night out and he's covering up for some of SGA and Giddy's other holes. Like I feel like that player was worth taking the number two. Yeah. Because I mean, take Draymond green. If you knew Draymond green was going to be the type of player that he was going to be and he, you threw him in a random draft, like he'd probably go at least like top five, you know, just based on, you know, what he provides to a team. And like, you know, it's those intangibles that, you know, you're always looking for as a contender, like the Lakers would love to have somebody that just has intangibles and, you know, Chet has all the intangibles, but also has the superstar upside as well on both sides of the ball. So right there with you on that. Giddy, like, yeah, he's 
he like I, I have a lot of faith in Giddy. Like, I mean, his competitive side, we got to see him, you know, rise up and dunk on somebody after he, he blocked him in, in the possession before in summer league. Like, you know, got to see him bark back a little bit, which we didn't get to see a lot in his rookie year. Yeah, but, but you, you guys called it out, though. Like, him in summer league being as aggressive as he was offensively, particularly mm-hmm. getting in the basket, you guys both called that out. Like, that was really fun to see. Like, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm kind of sitting in the stands and I'm watching these games. I'm like, if this is the Giddy that we're going to get, year two where you get all of the crazy passing arguably one of the best passes in the NBA now he's really starting to put it together from a scoring standpoint just and he doesn't have to be a three-level scorer right off the bat I don't I don't know if he'll ever get to be a three-level scorer but if he can just start adding more in of getting to the basket and finishing once he gets there if he can be a little more consistent each year from three-point range like you just start adding to a scoring average incrementally along with everything else you get from a passing standpoint, from a defensive rebounding standpoint, all the transition stuff. Like, he starts filling out his game slowly. Now we're talking about him one of these years creeping up into all-star territory, which was the case I made for him on a recent retiers pod that, that I did. So the Giddy stuff, mm-hmm. say anything you want about Giddy. I agree with you guys. I think he's on a really, really fun upward trajectory. Yeah, man, just some of the passes he tries. Like, <laughs> like people in the NBA court wouldn't even try to make. Like, he, he's ridiculous, but... I I really like I focused on him kind of being like the Ronda role like whenever this is like whenever this team is actualized and like we're ready to go and like we're pushing to be like contenders in the Western Conference I don't see Giddy necessarily being the number two or number three option I see him being kind of the straw that stirs the drink like Rajon Rondo so um, I really like him there and then for for four and five, like, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take the low hanging fruit that you gave me, but I'm going to combine them because they were guys that were picked back to back 11 and 12. And, you know, Thunder fans have this negative connotation around Jane because, Oh, we traded three first round picks for him and he can't hit a three point shot. He shot nine. And he didn't make any of them. Like he's, he's going to take a while though. Like he's going to be in the yeah. G league and you guys have one of the better G league developmental programs in the NBA. Like that, that's where he's going to be. And, and I think he's going to be there for a while a lot of this year, I think maybe some of year two, but like what, once he is ready, like Mm -hmm. his upside could be absolutely tremendous. And it gets to the point where you kind of have an embarrassment of riches to an extent on the wing. If if Dork keeps playing as well as he does, we know what we're going to get from Jalen Williams. Now you throw Jang into the mix. You already have Giddy at that size. Like that's, that's what every NBA team is looking for. Right. Yeah, man. I mean, and and I think Metcalf even says like, his first year, like, he's going to be a disaster. But, like, you know, come next year, you know, come the year after, and he starts to show steady progressions. He starts to get some more reps in the G League. He starts to, you know, get more comfortable confidence and filling out his body more. Like, yeah, you could really have something. Like, he's got legitimate upside. And, you know, I, I'm i taking the caveat of combining him and Jalen Williams, Santa, uh, for my four and five because I think that, you know, they're kind of, for better or worse, linked together for the rest of their careers because they were picked back to back. And mm-hmm. my, my point about, you know, Thunder fans being crazy about, you know, Usman Jane being the guy we traded th- three first round picks for, um, our our pod our podcast co-host Stephen Dolan actually tweeted out like, you know, the perception of the picks, if we traded three first round picks for Jalen Williams and then to Usman Jane with number 12 would be completely different because, mm-hmm. you know, all these expectations wouldn't be on Jane, but like, I, I, I'm very high on both of them. Like, you know, I think Usman Jang has more of a ceiling, but a much lower floor. Um, but, you know, I still believe in him. And then 
you know, all the things we already talked about with Jalen Williams, I'm not going to keep going on about him, but yeah, I, I think that is really important. And one last thing I'll say about Jalen Williams, like I was really encouraged what I saw in the defensive end in summer league, like when he was on ball with somebody, like forget about it. He was, he, he was in full on dog mode. He's nasty yeah. on defense. Like yes. he really is nasty. Yes. I love it, man. And you know, I, I'm, I'm going that way because, you know, you kind of, you kind of threw it out there at me. You, you lobbed it up, so I finished it real quick. And, you know, I got to represent the Jane gang, and I know Cone loves Dort, so I'll, I'll let him have it. Cone, run, run through your rankings of those of those guys. Or, like I, like I gave Dylan the option, if you want to throw somebody else in there, go, go ahead. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, Shea's the number one. Makes sense. Um, Chet, number two. I think that's pretty consensus. Giddy, number three. Um, those are the top three guys right now. Definitely gets a little weird when you get down to four and five. Uh, I am still going to show Dort that love at four. Okay. Uh, I'm big on Dort. Uh, Dylan knows this. I love me some Lou Dort. Um, already a guy that I think could make a case for an all-defensive team this upcoming season. I think the big part is, you know, having him take a little bit less of that offensive role. And now that we've got guys like J-Dub and Chet, hopefully Dort will have to shoot a little bit less, which can have his efficiency go up as he takes more selective shots. Yep. And that can also let him even buy more into that defensive end and really unlock his true, maybe all defensive level potential on the end of the ball. So I think Dort is highly valuable. Plus I think his contract extension was pretty good value too. So he's here long-term on a good value contract. And he does a lot of the little things that all the contending teams need a guy who can hustle and will make those plays that other guys might not. And then at number five, um, I guess, I mean, I'd have to probably go J-Dub if I have to pick anyone. I do want to give a shout out to Trey Mann is another guy that I would put in consideration for this spot too. I so love I was, his I was going to ask you guys about like the, it, it, out of the other guys, out of these like five that we're talking about, but out of all the other names, like who would be the name that you're most excited about? So Trey Mann would be your guy out of that other group. Yeah, I am really high on Trey Mann. Uh, his space creation, if he knocks down shots consistently with his because he's already one of the best space creators on his step back in the entire NBA like not even amongst just young players it is ridiculous the fact that his like ankle goes like horizontal to the ground when he steps back <laughs> like it is absolutely unbelievable uh to watch and I really think he's got a lot of not saying he will be him but shades of Damian Lillard in terms of creating shots and I think that down the line when we're trying to compete, he could be one of that really great microwave score off the bench that teams need. And I think that a guy like that is super valuable to find because you don't find them just anywhere. I think he could win a six man of the year. And I don't even want to pigeonhole into him being a six man down the line. I think he could be even more than that. Just his shot creation ability. It's just, he just needs those shots to go down. We saw him drop 20 plus points in two quarters um, this past season in his rookie year. And that was with inconsistent playing time. I think he'll be pretty much a staple of the rotation that like sixth, seventh guy off the bench. And he's going to absolutely ball out this upcoming year. Dylan, same question to you to close it out. Out of all the other names, outside of those ones that you ranked in the top five, who else are you most excited about in that Thunder rotation? Yeah, it's got to be Trey Mann, dude. I mean, you know, I'll love to do it. Like, I love Lou Dort, you know, with his, uh, with his defense and constantly improving. Like, he's improved every year. He's been in the league as well. But I think that he's definitely going to take a backseat on offense, kind of be like a four-fifth option in that starting lineup in the simplified role. And I, I think he'll thrive in that. But Trey Mann is a guy that's shown so much versatility and like upside offensively. 
And just having a guy that could be your release valve for Shea, for Giddy, for Jalen Williams, for Ujman Jay, whoever has the ball in their hands, a guy that's mm-hmm. a release valve, you know, to be able to be an off-ball scorer and also a guy that can go out there and just get you a bucket. Like if you're off to a slow start in a game and you just need somebody to come in and be a microwave off the bench, like Trey Mann could be that. Like, hello, 23 points in the quarter against the Boston Celtics, best defense in the league. Like Trey Mann did that in his rookie year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very high on Trey Mann and, and also like his athleticism. You know, when his shot wasn't falling early in the year, he just decided to go up and dunk on guys and nobody knew he had that <laughs> in his bag. So that's always fun too. Well, certainly that answer of Trey Mann, you mentioned Metcalf's name. I know Metcalf is smiling somewhere. Oh, yeah. You guys say all the kind words about Trey Mann. That's one of his guys. So he will definitely appreciate hearing that. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Draft Deeper podcast, talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Guys, I can't thank you enough for finally coming on my podcast. I'm glad we were able to do this and hopefully we can do this a little more often through the NBA season as I mix it up, talk about some some of the young, fun teams in the NBA. So thank you again so much, Cone. I'll, I'll, I'll start with you because you, you have a lot of media plugs. I know you want to get off your chest, all the content you're creating. You're a really hard worker in the space. So, so go ahead, my friend, give my audience all the plugs. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it's three underscore cone on Twitter. I've tried to get the account without the underscore does not work. That person hardly <laughs> exists. Um, so it's three underscore cone on Twitter. Go follow me. Don't just tweet about the thunder, but about the NBA in general, same thing with the YouTube it's three cone without the underscore all spelled out because that one was not taken on YouTube. Um, and the underscore in the YouTube name looked dumb. So it's just normal <laughs> three cone on YouTube there. I uh, talk a lot about basketball. Um, especially like a lot of reactions to trades and stuff like that. Slight focus on the thunder, but just overall basketball content, dropping a a Russell Westbrook video, which I'm really excited about coming up soon. Um, So make sure to go check that out and appreciate you having us on Nathan. It's really, really fun to talk draft with y'all as someone who has gotten very into the draft the past couple of years, because the thunder have sucked. uh, It's been really fun and we appreciate all the uh, information you give us. And like I said earlier, letting me ramble about the thunder for like 45 minutes to an hour. sounds like, like my ideal activity on basically any night. So appreciate you. No, appreciate the the love that you guys give us and and Dylan, I'll let you get your plugs in as well. Mr. At thunder chats, you you've been, a massive supporter of the No Silence Collective through this whole process. And you guys have taken the time to schedule all of us to come on your podcast, yes. not just one or two of us. So that that means a lot to us. And the fact that we are repeat guests, we, we, we really appreciate all the support that you've given us. So from the bottom of my heart and everyone else in No Silence, thank you for the support. Go ahead and plug yourself, my friend. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, you know, obviously you can follow me at Thunder Chats, like you just said, at TH under C-H-A-T-S, as I used to like to say. Um, follow our podcast at OKC Topic Thunder. Uh, follow Connor on TikTok, three cones, oh, no underscore, no space. He's got to get used man. to saying that. We got to build that. <laughs> I, forget, I forget I have a TikTok now. Dylan's like my TikTok manager at this point. I appreciate him. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have like maybe 60 followers, but I'm telling Cohen how to run it. But uh, we're also now on YouTube. Um, we, we launched our YouTube account today. Uh, follow us at uh, Topic Thunder Podcast. Uh, you can be able to find it. Yeah, very very excited to be on there. Um, we just did a uh, Family Feud episode against the No Seamless guys with uh, Nick and Corey. I won't tell you how it ended up, but there was a uh, there was a fun story about Tower Rucker and PJ Tucker <laughs> and Jameer Nelson. So. That's all I got to say about that. Shout out, Rucker. We love you, man. Oh, I was 
I was standing there for all of that story to <laughs> unfold. That that's a great story. So definitely make sure you check out that episode of the Topic Thunder podcast to to see how that story ended up playing out. <laughs> Trust me, it's it's worth a few laughs. But hey, I do again, gotta say before before we close out, um, you know, I I had to get out the the record uh, throughout there, but I do, just do want to say, man, like you know, obviously appreciate you having us on the podcast. We appreciate you guys all coming on the podcast, like. Uh, I really like the relationship that the top of thunder, no seamless community has been able to build together. And, you know, I'll, I've, I've said it on every podcast y'all been on. I'll say it again. Like, you know, you guys are the three F's it's, it's fun. It's informative. I don't know. What was it? It's free. It's fun. And it's freaking informative. That's what I said. That's, <laughs> that's the no ceiling stuff. So yeah, I, I love everything you guys put out uh, your written content, the video content, obviously your podcast, you guys are killing it. So Keep it up, man. I'm excited to see what's happening, you know, this this season. And not just a thank you to you guys, but really your your audience that's tuning into this podcast episode, the the Thunder fans around the world who tune in to listen to episodes of the Draft Deeper podcast, the No Stillings podcast, the Draft Act, all of you guys out there. I that's been a really really awesome part of having this No Stillings collective and being more involved in the draft space on social media. The team fan bases like the Thunder, as an example, you guys are so much fun to interact with on a daily basis and, and being able to bounce ideas off of one another, learn more about the team itself, you guys getting the draft perspective, just being able to share those ideas in a common space. That's how we all grow as evaluators. And that's how we get to have more fun as basketball fans. So I, I've really appreciated the, the friendliness and the encouragement from the team fan communities as well. So that that's much appreciated on our end. But Obviously, the biggest thank you goes out to everyone who listens to the Draft Deeper podcast on a weekly basis. Thank you so much for your support. If you aren't following me on Twitter, make sure you go ahead and do so at Draft Deeper. Make sure you're following the No Ceilings Collective on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA. And make sure you're subscribed to the No Ceilings podcast, to the Draft Tag podcast, as well as mine, wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and most importantly, make sure you subscribe to the Substack, nocillingsmba.com. We are pumping out about two to three pieces per week here in the offseason. But once the college season starts, we really get rolling during the 2023 draft cycle. We'll be back to five days a week, crushing it Monday through Friday, giving you all of the content you need to make sure you're ready for the 2023 NBA draft. But make sure you're still subscribed to tune in to everything we've been doing in the offseason. Later this week, I have a really fun draft piece coming out, some of my favorite scouting stories over the last six years. If you follow my last column, you know that I just wrote about my biggest draft misses over the last six years. It's always fun to admit when you're wrong. I love that, but I also now get to share some of my favorite stories as well. So make sure you go ahead and check that out. Check out Cone's video on Russell Westbrook when he drops out on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Topic Thunder on YouTube to follow these guys, listen to all episodes of their podcasts. And until we meet again on this feed, thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.